Welcome back to another episode of Interjections, and just like most episodes, we have another interwin to discuss. I'm your host, Andrew. I've got Jay, Irfan, and Miko with me. Jay, what's happening? Yeah, doing well, thanks. Um, very happy with the spirited comeback uh, yesterday, um, and really looking forward to the game against Alanatana. I think it's a great uh, opportunity to rotate, so we'll get into that. Irfan, happy Super Bowl Sunday to you. Yeah, I was just going to say, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, big sports day in the U.S. Um, hard to explain to a lot of people how yesterday was a big sports day for me when everyone's gearing up for what's going to happen today. But uh, it was a great result, uh, good comeback. Team showed some great character in the torrential rain. Um, just this wicked conditions to play in, but uh, I think we found our way. Great result, and uh, we're grooving. So no complaints from me. Looking uh, looking happy with everything that's going on. Miko, what's up? Thanks. I'm doing well. And uh, it's like a business as usual for Inter, so let's go. Yep, another podcast, another match, another three points. We just keep getting the job done. And frankly, it didn't look like we were going to get the job done yesterday. It was a tale of two halves where... While we took the early lead with with the weird weather, the rain, I thought we looked a little flat in the first half. We, we weren't playing our best, and it was capped off perfectly by truly one of the most bizarre goals I've seen with the El Shirari double post mini Galazzo that just froze summer. So you're going at the half, and you're tied up, or you're down a goal, and suddenly you're like, eh, like it's going to be a chore just to get up point out of this match and then to outscore Roma 3-0 in the second half was just complete domination Jay happy to hear any thoughts you had on the first half where we weren't at our best obviously I'm sure the weather was impacting the team it yeah curious to hear your thoughts and in my opinion the biggest struggle we had in the first half was getting our strikers the ball it felt like Roma was doing a really good job pocketing Latoro and Taram and making us play through the wings. Yeah, for sure. Um, Bastoni said it himself. That wasn't us in the first half or that the first half was, uh, it was unrecognizable in a way. Um, I think we definitely struggled with the rain. I think I felt like there was a little bit of complacency as well. I felt like maybe the guys thought the job's done after beating Juve and then came out a little bit, flat a little bit, uh, you know, just energy a bit too low in the first half. And we very much paid for that. And I was having doubts whether we'd be able to get ourselves back in, but got to say really impressed with the reaction in the second half. And uh, I think they really showed in the second half how much they wanted it, it being the Scudetto, of course. And at the same time, I'm kind of disappointed at just how easily Roma gave up in the second half as well. Uh, not to be patronizing or anything, but I was expecting them to do, to kind of fight a lot harder, to hold on to their win, uh, to hold on to their lead rather, and make us suffer. But no, we just kind of came out early in the second half, grabbed an equalizer straight away. And then from there, I felt like the, the tails dropped and it was all into. And I want to give a big shout out to Turam for that goal. Uh, having... You know, he surprises me sometimes because I've always maintained, and I stand by this, that he's not the most technical guy 
in in many aspects. Uh, but that finish uh, from Damien's low ball was was just perfect. That deft little touch to kind of sneak it into the near post um, while being under pressure from Mancini. I thought that was a really, really commendable finish. And obviously having the kind of the wherewithal to score that at a critical moment early in the second half was absolutely key. I mean, if he doesn't score that, then maybe we don't get another scoring chance for another, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever. And it's a whole new game. But to grab an equaliser in like the 48th minute or something, you know, three minutes into the half is, is it's a huge, huge mental factor. So, uh, yeah, I want to give him a shout out for that. Yeah, it was like, a, it was, it was like four minutes after the restart. And then, then we uh, scored that all the on goal happened in uh, 56 minutes. So we were, we were leading after 10 minutes of playing. So that was a huge, huge start to the second half for sure. Exactly. But, uh, we weren't. We weren't yeah. like. Oh, sorry. I'm just saying. We weren't like um, looking for that third goal in like the 70th, 80th minute. You know what I mean? We got it so early. Um, yeah. In the second half, that we had so much time to just uh, basically assert our our dominance over them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, about Turam, uh, I saw him. He spoke after the match that they've trained. They've trained this like a. Uh, trained um that he, he he would be more direct with his attacking and and these type of these type of plays that you just go to the uh go to the straight to the goal and and that that's what happened uh i appreciate a lot that Turam has like i don't know i gotta say i haven't watched him before when he was in germany but i suppose he hasn't been such a such a normal center forward or played like one but he's he's like trained at inter to be more like that and, and that this this goal was a was a nice proof of that yeah you know jay to your point about aroma folding early obviously it took all the pressure in the world off us because we went from them trying to be in a shell and defend the position to us being the initiator pretty quickly and just taking control of everything. I don't know. Do you think it was because Roma's style of play just wasn't sustainable? They went all out for 45 minutes playing an aggressive style and then just lost it. I mean, if you look at players like Dybala, Lukaku, I I would say these aren't players particularly known for fitness. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to rack my brain about why did they fall off so much in the second half? Um, and I, you know, credit to us as well. We definitely came out and proved our passing was much more fluid. Um, you know, that's always a hard question. I, I see it kind of posed that way pretty often. You know, uh, the pressure that they're keeping up is is unsustainable. They're pressing so much and all this kind of stuff. Oh, we're going to kind of come back in the second half when they get tied. I always question that. I'm always like, are they pressing that hard? I mean, it's sometimes you do see it. And you're like, wow, these guys are just going, you know, ballistic, sprinting around, covering every blade of gl- every uh, blade of grass. But I didn't feel like Roma were, you know, going that hard in the first half. I just felt like, yes, the tempo was a bit higher, um, but more so than them getting tired from, you know, exerting too much energy in the first half. I felt like they were kind of, it's like, um, they just didn't know how to manage the position they were in. 
it was like uh, a smaller fighter gone up against a big fighter and then scoring kind of two lucky hits to knock the fighter down. And then the ref comes over, uh, you know, gives the bigger fighter a 10 count. And then the smaller fighter just doesn't know where to go from there, uh, how to kind of maintain that advantageous position. Um, and yeah, to that effect, or to that analogy rather, when we kind of regained our composure, we just showed that we were the, the bigger and better fighter and just blew them away. And um, yeah, to reiterate, I don't think it was so much a matter of fitness or uh, energy exertion, but they just didn't know how to manage uh, the game being in a lead against a dangerous opponent. Maybe they should have sat back deeper. Maybe they should have, um, you know, maybe they should have changed uh, their formation a little bit to kind of, uh, to to clog up the midfield or to make it harder for DeMarco down the right flank or their right flank. But I didn't really see any of that. It felt like they just kind of played the same style. And uh, the only real difference was in the second half that we were just much more switched on. Irfan, talk to me about Lukaku, who had a bit of a horror show yesterday. He quiets throughout the game until he finally did pop up. And I'd say the lasting moment, well, take your pick. You go with him clearing a ball directly to a chair before a goal. But I'd say the real lasting moment is him one-on-one with Summer alone in the box and somehow not even getting a shot off. Just break it down for me. What happened? Yeah, it's it's very similar to the Lukaku that we've seen um, quite a bit outside of that kind of Scudetto year where he was on fire for us. He's never been, I think, super efficient or super gifted, you know, technically speaking. Uh, the effort's usually there. Uh, but again, this was kind of a vintage Lukaku performance on the Roma side. You know, he he. it's really hard for him, I've noticed, to be involved in the match if everything isn't running entirely through him. In, in that sense, like the Conte system worked, worked really, really well for him. But I think... Um, Outside of that, he's just he's just not the type of striker that's like fully involved in the match, can do a good job of pressing or winning the ball. Even when he's playing as like the center forward or like the point person, it's kind of hit or miss. Sometimes his layoffs are horrible. Sometimes they're good. Um, his positioning is suspect in a lot of cases. And then, yeah, that like kind of technical ability one-on-one that we saw on the summer breakaway um, was you know sorely lacking. So, in a lot of ways, it's like he was he he kind of was who we thought he was. Um, what I found interesting about Roma, like what I what I think was uh, probably you know the reason why we were able to come back. It's it's kind of like what we were all just talking about, which was I think Roma did a good job in the first half. In in, in addition to us being passive, they did a good job of us of denying us playing the way we typically play. Um, you know, we love going up that left side. We love the balls into the striker who then distributes it back out. So they were doing that same thing that some teams do. They were clipping at our striker's heels. They were preventing those balls from coming out. They were really defending the left flank really well. And so I think in halftime, one of the things that we did was we adjusted to kind of let the game come to us, take the opportunities rather than kind of jam through the usual attacking patterns. And you saw that even on that first goal, it came again from Darmian's side. It didn't come from DeMarco or Bastoni or anything like that. So I think we just kind of settled in. I thought the, the team showed a lot of good maturity and calm after going down. 
Um, we haven't been in that position too much this year. Um, and to be honest, I think most of the times we've been in that position, we've fought really hard. Sometimes the result hasn't come out, but we've never been like passive or defeated. So I think we deserve some credit for that. And I think the team did a good job of bouncing back from that. Yeah, it just, it just seems like they keep finding ways to overcome situations that get thrust upon them. It Yesterday was the first time I can remember that we've had a comeback like this. I was trying to remember the Verona game, but just to... But in terms of being down at the half and then just flipping a result completely on its head, like we haven't had to come from behind much this season, but they just keep finding creative ways to win. And it just feels like we're witnessing a championship run here, Miko. Yeah, absolutely. I think we haven't been trailing this season for too long. So we've lost once in the league and that was against Sassuolo. So we've been trailing against them for, well, less than one half. And then in this match, we trailed like like five minutes or what was it? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, so yeah, we haven't been in such position too often. But yeah, I, I liked a lot that the rea- reaction was there. The Sassuolo match was early in the season, and maybe, maybe the maybe the team wasn't. I don't know. I think they've grown grown during the season, and they they are really on a mission now, and they they know how to react. and And like Inzaghi apparently had some kind of a prep talk in the in the dressing room at the halftime that what was referred earlier that Bastoni told that be yourselves and then then we went there and and got the job done so so yeah i think think i think this team is it's a bit different what we've seen in the earlier earlier years especially with yeah. inzaghi yeah i think their ability to overcome adversity like within a match is something that honestly a lot of inter teams in the past have lacked um and so so far they've done a good job of that uh again like they haven't been the biggest matches um, for us to do that in. So let's see, like, if we fall into a similar situation against, like, Atletico in the Champions League or if we fall like that against, you know, kind of a bigger club than maybe Roma, like how we react then. But definitely it seems like mentally these guys are switched on and they know what to do. I will say, though, one thing that was a little bit disappointing in this match, not to sugarcoat everything, was that the goals we gave up were pretty were pretty bad. I mean... The, the the first goal, the set piece, where Pavard completely switched off, completely lost his man. It was a f- complete, f- like a free open header. Um, that's just something like you, you can't do that like against any team, right? Let alone like a team like Roma, who is on the top, top eye for the table. Like you can't just switch off like that. And we usually never do. So that was a little bit disappointing. It's, I, I couldn't, couldn't really explain what happened there. It seemed like he just completely lost his man and switched off. And on the second goal, like it was a total mishit, lucky goal. But the fact that they were even in that position on essentially like a three on one or a three on two um, was also like, you know, bad discipline uh, on our side. We don't usually give up a lot of those um, type of, uh, you know, transition goals going the other way. Uh, I think the lot, one of the last times I remember us doing that was when we bounced out of the, the Copa. Um, so, 
that was not a good performance either. So those those two things are concerning. Hopefully, um, they'll dissect those and fix those so they don't happen again. On the, yeah. Um, on the first call, I just want to say it was like an entire just team wide failure. Um, Pavard was the definitely culpable in that he was the guy marking Mancini, but I think aside from a Cherby, no one just no one reacted in time. Like Roma took the free kick and like our guys were just a split second too late to react. Like their guys were, they timed the, uh, their runs perfectly uh, when the kick was taken from Pellegrini, I think. And now guys were just all, like I said, just late. And the only one who was on point was a Cherby. If that ball had gone to the near post, Bastoni would have been too far behind uh, Lukaku or whoever it was. If the ball had gone to the far post, Damien would have been out of position as well. You know what I mean? So that's not to take any blame off Pavard, but yeah, you're right in saying it's um, a strange one, but it was exactly that, just like a kind of defense-wide uh, lapse of concentration. Yeah, yeah. it was a carbon copy of a smalling goal, which was the winning goal last season when it was the our home match and they won they won uh one two and smalling scored uh, i think that was a pretty similar goal as this one uh like a very a free kick almost in the center central line and and very typical uh same kind of goal as this one and i i don't know what is it with maybe maybe Roma can do this kind of uh, set pieces. They train them so well, but I think I agree, I agree with you that that uh, there was a la- some kind of lapse of concentration uh, while most of the team, apart from Cherby, who, who wasn't like marking marking the right guy in that in that case. But uh, as for the second goal, I think I think I would I would blame. I would blame Darmian if if I wanted to blame anyone, he, because it was Bar- Barella who tried to pass to Darmian, and Darmian was on the left side of uh, of Roma's uh, penalty box, so like opposite side where he should be uh, in terms of his position, normal position, and uh, he was like caught off guard. That okay, he's gonna get the ball or or get the pass, and he he just wasn't ready, and and Roma stole the ball and then started the counter attack immediately. That was a great counter attack for sure, and they played it very well. I think Pavard wasn't playing too well that that play either when he was defending against El Sharawi. He, he he like uh, left a lot of space to El Sharawi, but but. Uh, Maybe it was still a bit lucky, lucky, lucky shot in a sense that the angle wasn't great. So even su- summer, summer was was surprised there. Yeah, but- it's it's tough. Like I, I don't usually blame when you have a breakaway like that. I don't usually blame the defender because they're yeah, in a really yeah. difficult position where they have to yeah. somehow yeah. play the ball, prevent the shot, and prevent them from playing in the yeah, player that's yeah. on their side. So Pavard, I think you know like nine times out of 10, like it might work out, but like sometimes out of the three things he's trying to deny, the guy picks the right one and it succeeds, which was the case in this case. So it's hard for me to blame him, but you're right. It's more about in situations like that. It's more about what happened that resulted in, in such a 
counter, you know, and, and, and you're right. That was a Barella Darmian kind of um, mishit mainly by Darmian. And so that the positioning there was suspect by the team. And, and it's weird because we don't see us give away these types of chances. Like we are an extremely organized uh, defensive team, like even more than individual um, defensive ability, like as a team, we're usually pretty good about preventing anything like this from happening because we're just very organized. Um, so it was weird to see to see that happen. Also, in a situation where you know it wasn't like we were at that point insanely chasing the game or anything. I mean, it was one one. So you know we were we were trying to like stay attacking, stay aggressive, but it wasn't like we were in all out attack desperation mode, leaving us kind of exposed at the back. So. I think both of those plays, the both of those Roma goals were something that, like, when we look back on, when the team looks back on it, they're going to be disappointed that those those arose. Yeah, maybe we need to give a bit credit to Roma as well. To like, uh, maybe maybe they've trained those counter attacks because that was a that was a well, uh, well done in that goal by them. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that, that team is built for that. I mean, yeah, maybe we didn't respect respect their ability to to have that that kind of counter attacks and and because they they have skill there real, real skill there so maybe yeah. that that's that's one. They one also thing, have you know. credit though. They look a lot better than they did earlier this season, just in terms of they do playing a somewhat attacking style. I mean, the second half felt like very much like a Mourinho team. But the first half was a real honest shot at the game. And I give them a lot of credit for that. They have good players. That's the thing. I mean, when you look at their their team overall, like they have some – it's not even just the names. Like they have some good performing players. Like Mancini's not bad and Pellegrini's good in their midfield. And Paredes is extremely annoying, but he's effective at what he does when he plays without getting his – um, you know, without letting his head get the best of him. So they have some good quality players. It's just they, for some reason, seem to, like, always underperform. Like, if I look at their squad up and down, I would think that there's no reason why they shouldn't be pretty steadily challenging for, like, the top four. But I don't know. They just they always seem to, like, lack putting things together. And honestly, it might be one of the things we were talking about with the fact that Dybala and Lukaku are good in certain ways, but they're extremely limited in a lot of other ways, um, and that might kind of affect their game. I think that they, they might have a like a even a good shot for the top four because it's it's like a wide open Atalanta. They have a lead in that that race, but I don't think it's it's like over over by any means. This is the part of the episode where I reiterate that Roma has the third highest wage bill in the league and that they are grossly underperforming based on how much money they're spending on this operation. Yeah. Um, they, look, it, Lukaku is a big reason why they have the third largest wage bill in the league. But nonetheless, like this is an expensive team. Them being in seventh or eighth place as they were a few weeks back is just unacceptable given the quality of the team. Even if I don't respect some of these players, even if a lot of them have injury baggage like Dybala or mental baggage like Lukaku, there's still no excuse to form a team this expensive that is outside the conference league spots. Okay, so, sorry. I said that Atalanta has a, like a clear lead. They have only one point more than Roma, but uh, they've played... Two games in hand. Yeah, yeah. But the other one is against Inter, so... 
So, yeah, so you know, only so six points. points. Six points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, so I do have. Wait, I do have one question. So when, like yesterday, when we played and um, Inzaghi was suspended from the bench, does he still have the ability at halftime to go in and talk to the team and give them instructions and things like that? So this is a point of controversy because he's not supposed to be able to talk to the team in any capacity. But I think it was Bastoni made a comment after the match, the fact of like, ah, oh, Zaghi had a message for us at halftime. Yeah, which so could have gotten us, in, could get us in trouble theoretically. I don't know. I think he clarified after that it was like pre-planned or something. But yeah, go ahead, Miko. Uh, I think it's pretty typical that that the coach will communicate in some ways, and I, I don't. I don't think there's gonna be any any penalties or or such. Yeah, wasn't there one time where like someone was like handing like Morata a note? league? <laughs> <laughs> someone was like handing and like it was Guardiola or somebody. Somebody was like it might have even been uh, Mourinho or Conte, and they were like handing like a handwritten note to somebody on the bench from like the stands. And I was like, what the heck's going on here? Um, but also, it could have been a it could have been like a Sicilian message where he sent like a dead fish or something into the locker room and said, "Guys, <laughs> you, know, you, you know what happens if we don't perform in the second half." Uh, who who are who's your guys' man of the match? I, I think a couple candidates. You have Taram, obviously, for scoring the goal and then forcing a yet another own goal. Just was apparently. Apparently, drawing penalties and forcing own goals are some of his biggest strengths as a striker. And then I'll play the role of Jay here, but honestly, I thought Mkhitaryan was great yesterday and one of our best players in terms of just relieving pressure, getting the ball from our ends to the Roma side of the pitch with his dribbling. So I'm just curious if you guys have any thoughts on man of the match. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think I'm... I'm on the same page. Maybe it's Turam. He wasn't like a. He was there when when needed, but uh, I don't think no one like a like was a, is a clear candidate for the man of the match. Turam is there. Mikitarian is there. Maybe Barella. He was he was like a working his ass off yesterday, and I think he did. He played like ninety minutes. I think he did. So Best doing it. Bastoni scored a goal. Uh, I saw some stats as well. Um, well, yeah, really... Bastoni. He was he was good as well, yeah, yeah. which I really should have kept a note of. But also, like you know, your typical kind of highlighting a good performance type Instagram post where it's like you know X amount of jewels won, uh, yeah. ten kilometers ran, you know, five out of six tackles successful, whatever, one goal scored, ninety percent passing accuracy, blah blah blah. But anyway. Um, Based on that, at least, he looked very impressive. And obviously, just from the eye test, he put in a great game and scored that uh, key goal. So I think Bastoni deserves a shout. But I do agree that there wasn't one like enormous standout. Yeah, probably Taram, I would say, if I had to choose. But you're right, Mkhitaryan played really well. Played another 90 minutes, of course. Um, but I got I mean, if we're talking about this, Jay, I mean... Is the drought here? Is the Lotaro drought here? We're going a month, two months before we're going to see a goal. What's going on? You know, <laughs> Lotaro is like Schrodinger's cat, where he's always, if he's not, he's either scoring or in a drought. And so, as far as I'm concerned, from the second Lotaro scores, that's when the clock 
starts ticking and he's already on a drought. So sometimes the droughts are, you know, only 20 minutes long because he'll score straight away after scoring or a game long. But um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, yes. The answer is yes. It's been two underwhelming matches in a row probably from him. And it feels like you have a tough decision coming up here because... As you all know, his scoring record against Salernitana is absolutely ridiculous. He scores against them. I think he once put four past them, right? Like he just his scoring against them is absolutely absurd. On the other hand, if you want to find a break in the fixture list ahead of a crucial Champions League match, like this is it, right? A, a bad Salernitana team. So it's going to be a tough decision as to whether or not you give Lutaro sixty minutes or thirty minutes on Friday. Yeah, that that's interesting. That there was I was surprised he was subbed out yesterday at all, but but uh, I kind of welcomed that because he he wasn't having the best 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 games of of he, him, and uh, I, I would I would think he will start against Salernitana just just to get his confidence back by scoring 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 a goal before the crucial. Champions League fixture but on the other hand I don't know it's gonna be a tough month so let's see uh, yeah I, I, I'm I'm not hopeful that there's gonna be meaningful rotation I know we're gonna get into this now for Solar Natana but whether it's Lotaro or anybody else I'm, I'm skeptical that Inzaghi is gonna rotate too much I think it's more likely that he'll start with the team and then maybe you know pull pull them at, uh, as subs you know, 60 minutes in, 65 minutes in. But I don't know. I, I feel like he's not going to try to rock the boat against Salernitana. He'll probably go with the most of the starting lineup again, including Lotaro. Um, yeah. What do you thought about uh, Darmian's performance yesterday? Felt I'm ready to start Dumfries at right wing yeah. back again. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, it was it was a bit of hit or miss for me. I mean, he had a good ball in to Taram for the goal. But I just I I don't think him playing consistent minutes at you know wing back is where we want him. Um, I think he's a good plug in, but I don't think that there's enough there that we want to have him consistently play there. So I, I really do hope Dumfries, um, you know, comes back and plays well because I think it'd be nice to get a little bit of a change on that side. I like that none of you even mentioned Buchanan. Uh, our big, our big. <laughs> The, the the signing that will be the make or break for our season because I'm holding him personally accountable for our uh, decision not to buy a striker in January. So if we don't win the Scudetto, it's entirely Canada's fault. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the fact that we don't even consider him like a viable option at right wing back uh, is pretty concerning. I wasn't that yep. concerned with Damien's performance, to be honest. Um, I thought... Don't, did Dumfries come on yesterday? He did, didn't he? Towards the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought he, so. I thought he played pretty well when he came on, and Defry was surprisingly sharp when he came on as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, this might sound like a bit of a cop out, but I don't think yesterday was the best game to judge anyone by, um, just because the conditions were poor. Uh, the whole team had a bit of a switch off in the first half, and then kind of woke up in the second. So. Um, it was 
a game to judge the team as a team, I felt. And I'll be, um, you know, I'll, I'll be surprised if we don't uh, look more like ourselves against Salernitana. Obviously, uh, a much more humble opponent than Roma. We're playing at home as well. Um, and we're expected to put on a show. So I, I, in turn, I expect the guys to look much more uh, relaxed and, and less, um, you know, they just looked off the pace yesterday. Uh, so looking to a return to form, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think, to me, Darmian looks a bit, um, bit tired in a sense that uh, throughout the 90 minutes, he, he's not like at the end, latter part of the game, he's he's not at his best anymore. And it feels like he he should have some kind of a rest <laughs> at some point. Because it felt like uh, uh, yesterday, there was, there was some moments when he like somehow felt like he, well, I wouldn't say give up, but like play very like a lackadaisical way, some some kind of plays and, and let the Roma come from his flank too easily. And it felt like, okay, now, now, now he should be taken out. And it was only 75th minute. I, I don't remember when those, when those plays happened, but I remember thinking that, okay, maybe Darmian should be taken out now. So it took a bit of time, but feels like he should he should be rested pretty soon. Hopefully against Salernitana, since we we definitely need need him later in the season. I feel I feel he, it's good to have this kind of guy you can you can plug in almost anywhere on the flanks and, and in the defense. So yeah, l- let's hope. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think that's going to be the key. We need him around and healthy and available. He's like our ultimate kind of utility man, um, which is great. But what I found interesting, though, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but um, it, there were a couple of plays yesterday where our team was on like maybe like a three on two or like had had like a promising attack going. And like the decision making from the person with the ball was just hilarious. Like instead of playing like the very obvious pass for the runner making like the crossing run in front of the defender, they would try this like weird like lobbed pass over like four people to try to hit the guy in stride on the uh, other side. And I was just like, it was it was hilarious because when we were trying those passes, everyone you know watching the match was probably just like, wait, what's what's going on? Why would you try that ball? And I think Bastoni had one of those where instead of playing like a direct ball in front of somebody making the run in front of him, he tried to like lob a through ball through like the defense. And I'm like, you know, let's let's leave that for Hakan and Aslani. Let's not try that when we're not one of those two guys. Had to sneak a fucking Aslani mention. Yeah. There. Like I would have noticed some. <laughs> not like, I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. And I agree, there were too many moments where our transitional play was just breaking down. I can't remember what game it was. Maybe it was against Fiorentina? No, no, it was a couple of weeks ago, but I just think I remember saying it. Um, it was the games before Monza. might have been Genoa or something. But, um, it, I mean, look, it, it happens because obviously everything in football is a series of trial and error. That's why you have, you know, that's why you finish a game with 15 shots 
five of them on target and one goal scored, right? Um, Not everything goes perfectly. Not everything is executed perfectly. That's fine. But sometimes we tend to play a bit too fast and loose. uh, And I don't think our players are the most technical. Like um, you watch a team like Real Madrid and you got players who are, I mean, they're they're doing similar things in a way, uh, but they're just more technical, more gifted. So you have a higher success rate. And so I think... um, to kind of compensate for that uh, in our team, what we need to do is just be a little bit more cynical about it, a little bit um, rely a little bit less on volume and try to be a bit more focused in a way, um, and in a way safer with those kind of transitional plays, which sounds kind of contradictory, but I think there's room for that as well. A good example is the final goal where Alexis, you know, picked out Anatovic with the perfect pass and then Anatovic did the common sense thing, which was to, to pick up Bastoni. So, um, but when you play too fast and loose, that's when you end up with these, you know, these kind of breakdowns that you were talking about, Efron. And I think um, there was, I think Lotaro was unfortunately really guilty of that uh, yesterday and against Juventus. Like, I swear there were several times in the game where you've got the ball shifting from, right to left, you know, let's say Damien's got the ball, then he passes to Barella, who passes it to, to Ram, who passes it to Lautaro, going right to left. And then you've got DeMarco open down the left, and all Lautaro has to do is just pass to DeMarco, and then we've got an overlap. And meanwhile, from the Roma perspective, you've got all the defenders kind of rapidly shifting left to right, trying to cover that overlap, right? And what does Lautaro do? he stops and cuts to his right and just walks headfirst into this wall of Roma defenders kind of running <laughs> towards him. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing, man? And like, he's not, he's not the most gifted dribbler as it is at the best of times. But like I said, he did this constantly uh, yesterday. He did it a couple of times against Juventus as well. And it's, yeah, like uh, far bit for me to criticize a guy who's leading the goal scoring charts and, you know, probably by himself 50% of the reason for our Scudetto push but still sometimes uh, I gotta say that decision making was was not great uh, yesterday and uh, I really wish he wouldn't try to dribble towards people uh, I really don't think that's one of his skills at all so rather than force the issue just just avoid it just play smart play around the issue and um, yeah but yeah I, I remember that that play what Irfan what, uh, was talking about the, the one when I think we have like a maybe four against two or three and Bastoni he had a, like a multiple options to, to pass to and he decided to try this some kind of a lob, lob pass and it, it failed miserably and <laughs> it felt so like ah damn why do you <laughs> just give, give the easy ball to Barella or who was yeah. it make, make, make it Charian there get like, too cute from, sometimes you know you yeah need to too, get so cute, cute. too cute yeah yeah they really they really are guilty of that and I think unfortunately the prime or the most guilty of that is probably DeMarco in a way like I, I don't want to say the guy has too much fun sometimes but there are times when I watch DeMarco and I really wish he was just like, I don't know, 10% more ruthless, more clinical, more professional, you know, um, rather than kind of like take a shot and then miss and then kind of like have a laugh about it. I'd, I'd rather he just <laughs> didn't take the shot. But uh, yeah, at the same time, look, 
having that personality is part of what makes him the player he is. So, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. That's him as a package and ultimately the, the good outweighs the bad. So can't really complain too much. You guys all thought Sanchez was 100% going to take that final shot and miss, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, that, was, that was funny to follow. Like, okay, what's going to happen? There's two guys there. Are they going to like <laughs> fuck this up or <laughs> what's yeah, going to happen? Like, but... They just run into each other and neither <laughs> yeah. get the shot off. That would, that would have been classic. Yeah. But what, but what did was... you guys think of, the, of Sanchez and Arnautovic, their performance? It was okay. But yeah. given the circumstances, uh, you know, I, like put it this way, I, I wouldn't want to put, I wouldn't want to have those two on when we are chasing a lead or when it's nil nil and we have to, you know, I don't know, God forbid, Taram and Lautaro were injured against Atletico or something. Then, you know, then, then I do not want to, I can't even begin to imagine Lautaro, uh, sorry, uh, Anatovic and Sanchez playing together. But in that situation where a goal up, there's like five minutes left. Sanchez came on in the 86th minute, by the way, so yeah. I can accept it. That's the uh, appropriate uh, amount of Sanchez in a match. Exactly. Uh, I, I gotta be honest, I was a bit I was a bit terrified when they took Lautaro out when Arnautovic was coming in and then it would be Turam Arnautovic and it was like a three uh two three the result and then i was but what if they score we need we, then we need to score and we don't have lautaro on the pitch and and turam is is tired and what's gonna happen then but i i approve <laughs> approve the balls balls to take lautaro out in in such a such a match which which it it felt like it was a bit um or it was a tight match, but I guess eventually we didn't concede too too much to Roma apart from from the Lukaku one on one, and then I think it was close after that when Lukaku had this almost like a free header, and he managed to <laughs> he managed to fuck up that as well. That that was like a that was a hilarious to say the least. But very typical by him. I think Lautaro coming off was entirely performance related, and I'm honestly yeah, really yeah. glad to see it. Like he just simply, it just wasn't working yesterday. And when I saw Anatovic warming up, I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck! It's gonna, you know, it's gonna be a typical Anatovic for Taram thing." So I was very, very pleasantly surprised to see uh, Anatovic replace Lautaro. And yeah, credit to Inzaghi, it was the right move to make, and and he did it. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Talk about Salernitana home game on Friday to give us extra time off to prepare for the Champions League. Salernitana have one point in 2024 as we sit here on February 11th, which was a, I think, a draw against Verona. They've been, they've lost to pretty much every good team they've played, including I think they just lost to Empoli. Is that right? Like the. Yeah, on Friday, Friday. Yeah, at at home, <laughs> one three. <laughs> that's that's bad. It's it, they have not been playing well. They are in last place in the table. The only question for this game is how do you approach from a lineup perspective? As we were maybe hitting on a little earlier, 
What do you want to do from a reserve standpoint? Who do you want to try to get a break ahead of the Atletico match? Obviously, anything less than three points is completely unacceptable when you're playing the worst team in the table. So really, it boils down to what do you guys want to see from a lineup perspective? Personally, I want to start Lotaro just because I want to try to get him to a groove. And he has such a good track record against Lernatana. I'd probably give Taram a break and let him come on for the last 30 minutes if we need him, if at all. And then there, I guess the other question is, a Cherubi's hurt, you're going to have to start DeVry. Because you're starting DeVry, are you maybe hesitant to make any other changes in defense? So happy to hear any lineup thoughts, but I think we'll all agree that this is a, you know, anything less than three points is completely unacceptable. Uh, I, I'm going to go position by position. And well, okay, goalie, I wouldn't change the goalie. But then then the defense, the Rai, so that makes it almost almost mandatory to start Bastoni, but he played 90 minutes yesterday, which he usually does not. Maybe Augusto might be there, but then, <laughs> then you need to use DiMarco. I don't know. It's a bit hard. Acherby injury, like... It's it's not optimal for the rotation standpoint. Uh, on the right side, I, I would start Bisek. He hasn't started for a for a while now when Pavard has been back. So I would start with him. Then Dumfries. I think Barella should start. I saw that Fratesi is going to be ready for this match but I wouldn't start him just to make sure that he doesn't have to play too much after the injury. Uh, I say we go full disrespect mode. Anadovic, yeah. Sanchez, Buchanan, uh, Klaassen, Aslani, Sensi. Uh, so you want to go Sevilla Champions League mode, or sorry, Sociedad Champions League mode. <laughs> That's right. I want to go critical Champions League match, uh, Champions League group decider mode. Um, Aldero, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, look, just just rotate the guys. Uh, whatever kind of permute, permutation of the team is probably going to be strong enough to beat, you know, fucking Salonitana. But it's like Serie A is just lighting up, lighting them up to play against us. You know, first Roma, now Salonitana. Got to deal with the new coach bounce. So got to be a tiny bit careful. Liverani is a is a good coach, maybe. Um, <laughs> I didn't even realize Nzagi's brother was coaching Salernitana. Like I thought he was still in Serie B, coaching yeah, Benevento with... or something. Yeah, I did not with Regina or whoever. I did not realize he was even coaching Salernitana. So gone. Yeah, yeah, he replaced. Really yeah, he replaced the who was the guy guy starting this season at Salernitana. He replaced him at some point. Paulo Sousa or something. Not Sousa, yeah, yeah, Sousa, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah so. That, that didn't help that change too much. Mm, but yeah. Uh, I was going to say they should hire uh, Davide Nicola, Nicola, who's like, in my opinion, the master of avoiding relegation with these garbage teams. But it turns out he is Empoli's manager. Who <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got him first. So now Empoli has, hasn't lost in like four games. 
That dude is just a master of taking garbage teams, having them go on a mini run of form and saving them from relegation. It's just it's incredible. Yeah, he has like two two wins and two draws in the last past four games, so pretty well done. He's they are doing a bit better now. It's gonna be quite a ride the relegation battle for the for the last two spots. Alantana will go down for sure. But yeah, I, I would I would do do heavy rotation or or well a- anything anything to to make sure the team is is fully ready for the Atletico match. I don't okay. know is that is the Atletico match on Tuesday on Wednesday. I don't know which one is it. Tuesday. It's a Wednesday, is it? Oh, oh, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wait a minute. <laughs> It's Tuesday, twenty first. It's twenty first for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was looking the wrong week. I was looking at the Atalanta fixture. Okay, carry on. Yeah, so it's it's Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, Tuesday. So that's why it's it's on Friday, the Salernitana. But anyway, wait, wait, did yeah. you say Salernitana's on Friday? Yeah, next yeah, next Salernitana's Friday. on Friday. Oh, Atletico's on Tuesday. Lecce's on Sunday, and then Atalanta's the following Wednesday. For those of you keeping track at home. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Oh, look, I know Irfan just wants to see his boy, Agume. Um, <laughs> no, I would be I would be excited to see some rotation, but I, I'm very skeptical Inzaghi is going to do it. Uh, maybe we'll see something in the midfield, but I think it'll be very controlled. I don't think we'll see much in the defense. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, I think he'll start Lotaro and maybe pull him if we go up a few goals. But, yeah, I don't know. Salernitana should be, you know, a cakewalk at home. There shouldn't be much there. But I also don't think Liverani is terrible. So we'll see what kind of team they they come out with and what kind of performance they have. I just want a Davy Klassen goal. Is that too much to ask for? I don't know. I just want, yeah, Klassen, Buchanan, uh, Aslani, all the shit players to get on the scorecard. That's what I'd like to say. <laughs> uh, I want. Hey now. Hey now. I want Pavard to score a goal so bad, and he almost had a oh. beautiful one yesterday. Yeah, that would have been something. Yeah, that, but that yeah. little flick he did prior to shooting was—I can't tell if it was intentional or not. I'm leaning towards no, but it just—it was like the perfect setup for that uh, outside of the foot volley. And yeah, if that had gone in, that would have been yeah, it would have been one of the goals of the season. But whatever. Yeah, but. The, uh, but the, as for the solid rotation, uh, yeah, I, w- I want to see Klaassen start this match. He, Let's go. Miko on yeah. board. Let's fucking Absol- go, yeah, Klaassen. <laughs> Absolutely. He, uh, you remember he started last time as well, and we, we struggled like hell <laughs> against them. Yeah. It was an away game in his defense. Yeah. He, was he was still getting his heat. legs under him yeah. in that hot Italian southern heat. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was the moment when... Klaassen came out and Mkhitaryan replaced him and then Toro came in at the same time and then then the... Yeah, we scored four fluid. goals. Yeah, yeah, after that. But Klaassen's like a... I mean, is honestly maybe the closest thing we have to like a technical AM <laughs> in a way. So like yeah. he should be kind of in my mind. I have this fantasy vision of him just like majestically dictating plays like a fucking prime Raquelme against poor helpless Salernitana <laughs> as, as we tear them apart limb from limb. And then, you know, and then of course, Kandreva scores like a 95th minute 
wonder goal just to make you know just to just for <laughs> shits and giggles but uh yeah look Klassen is actually the profile of player that we could use like we're going to have a lot of the ball we're going to be entrenched around their box and as we know we're not the best at like penetrating defenses that sit deep so having a having a neat passer in and around the box uh, with yeah. good vision and with good kind of technical skills like Klassen, uh, you know, from the Ajax school of football, I think it's actually the perfect game for him. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think this this match will be very different from the the first first one, the away match, because exactly. that, I remember that that was a like like really tough one. Salernitana wasn't like that bad. Yeah, the scoreline like was now. very deceiving. Yeah, only uh, only on interjections will you hear uh, Klassen and Raquel May in the same uh, sentence. <laughs> Uh, we are the only inter podcast breaking down the possibility of you seeing Davy Klaassen in a cameo against Lanatana. Look, interje- interjections. I feel confident in saying that interjections is a top fifteen weekly English language inter podcast. So <laughs> we have some credibility, all right. Hey, hey we all are one of the fans. most popular English language inter podcasts in Indonesia, and I take a lot of pride in that. That's correct. <laughs> All fifty of our fans appreciate um, the Raquel May reference. I'm sure. <laughs> I just remember Raquel May tearing us apart in 2005 or 2006, and yeah. I just saw that recently, where he like completely tooled Verone and somebody else, <laughs> and it was just like it was hilarious. <laughs> All right, yeah, I remember those years getting knocked out in the round of 16 in every fucking Champions League campaign, thanks to Mancini, uh, and then of course. Uh, David Villa scoring one of the best free kicks I've ever seen in my life uh, against us at San Siro um, in any instance. Um, do you guys uh, think Buchanan we'll... will get a shot? No. I've given up. <laughs> <laughs> when, we were, when we were losing to Roma, I was like, all right, th- this is the moment. We're going to need a goal late. and We're going to get it like a Bellanova Champions League final type appearance. And then we pulled the match back and it all disappeared. Yeah, He's got to play at some point. Like I don't like look. Given the money we spent on him, um, and given the fact that Quadrado is out for the foreseeable future, we obviously it was a odd decision to buy him, considering Dumfries' return from injury. Um, but we can't just not use him. You know what I mean? Like for the sake of trying to at least make our investment get some return out of our investment rather, he has to play. So if there's ever, I mean, what, what did you say, Salonatana, we're 20th? This is like the, the easiest game on paper in the entire I, season. I think Inzaghi would sooner start him in the second leg against Atletico than start him in a Serie A match. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pri- priorities, priorities. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you guys see Salonatana have signed Jerome Boateng and Costas Manolas this week? So they have a pair of new center backs coming in. Uh, I'm ah, true. <laughs> I, I just Costas Manolas was like the guy when I was playing FIFA, maybe seven to ten years ago. He was by far like one of the fastest center backs available. So like you always signed him from Roma. Yeah, but I, he has how old is he? He he's like a he's gone down big time. He's definitely older than three out of four members of this podcast. <laughs> he's he's moved. Come on. <laughs> He moved to Greece, didn't he? At some point, 
He's been in Greece since he went to Napoli, which was a horrible signing from the start for Napoli. Yeah. Yeah. Spent three years there, and now he's back at joining Salernitana. He's 32, so he's like a. Yeah, so he's he's not like a. He's still a young young gun. (laughs) That's young for Inter. Yeah, exactly. Wow, I'm surprised Morata wasn't on this. That's interesting. But yeah. Yeah, so I mean, for what it's worth, I don't know if they're both going to start against us, but there's a couple of experienced center backs who could definitely pocket Sanchez and Arnautovic if that's the lineup (laughs) we go with. (laughs) But the question is will Arnautovic finally score Serie A goal? He's too busy assisting. Hasn't he already scored a Serie A goal? I don't think he has. I don't think he has. I thought he scored against Genoa or something. He scored a ah, ah, true, true. But but okay. What about the second goal? Did he score that? <laughs> he has one goal and three assists in sixteen matches. If that's not eight million a year production, I don't know what is. Uh, 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 and then there was the clause that like if we get a point in February onwards, <laughs> his loan is officially redeemed or something like that. So we got a point yesterday, so um yeah. He's ours now. Exactly. Looking forward to him being our fourth striker with Taremi in 2024, 2025. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do some predictions for this match, then we can briefly talk about this Syria team reduction thing. So, Jay, kick us off. Um, 3 0. I'll say uh, goals from Barella. Mkhitaryan and Turan. The drought continues. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, what was yours? Three nil. Well, I'm gonna go with four nil then. So Toro will score the goal he needs, and then Arnautovic will get the second one, and then Barella and uh, Dumfries will get the goal. Finally. Can I change my prediction to all three own goals? Because that seems like a common, <laughs> common thing for us these days. Two two own goals and a penalty by Hakan. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going 3 0 as well. I can't go to 5 0, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to go 3 0. I'm going to go with Lotaro because I think it's time. Uh, and then the second goal I'm going to give to. I just I'm feeling Bastoni again. I'm gonna give Bastoni another goal, even though I know he just scored his only goal of the year so far. His first goal Bastoni. in two years, and they, they come in yeah. bunches. You know what they say about they Bastoni goal scoring streaks. I know. I'm gonna give Flotaro Bastoni and then the third one, you know, I have to go with the Slani. So he's gonna get on the <laughs> get on the score sheet. You know what I noticed? We we tend to score a lot from set paces, but they never they don't feel like your traditional goals in like, you know, Guy takes a corner kick, guy heads it in, goal. Like we, That seems exceedingly rare for us. The only times we've done it this season are uh, La Toro against Fiorentina. And I think, Who had that assist, by the way? <laughs> I, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> oh. but we, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like we don't, I don't feel like we're a threat from corners very much, even though we scored from a corner you know, yesterday as well. It, it, wasn't, you know, it wasn't like DeMarco's ball 
reached a Cherby unimpeded and then a Cherby headed the ball into the net clean. You know what I'm saying? It, it obviously, yeah. it got cleared and then a Cherby hit the rebound in and whatnot. And there was another uh, goal where a Cherby flicked it on at the near post and then Lataro headed it in at the far post. I think that line might have been against... Shit, I can't remember. Um, but it, you know what I'm saying? Just like straight ball into the into the box, guy heads it in. We don't see that actually at, that often at Inter. So I really don't uh, feel like we're that dangerous from set pieces despite the... I feel like the stats that suggest we are dangerous from set pieces are a little bit um, misleading. Wasn't wasn't the piece goal? A set piece goal. It was. Like that a, was one. Correct. Yeah, that was and, a... And then... Corner, another then, corner, a free kick, yeah. From yeah, free kick. And then, then was it against Bologna when we drew with them 2-2? I think Acherpi scored up. That's the one I'm talking S- about. It was a... Um, straight header. Was it the no, straight no, no, header? No, no, no. Lotaro scored both goals. It was a... Um, oh, was okay. I can't remember now. I think... No, because that was... No, it was, it was Acherpi. You're talking about the... the no, 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 because okay, we played Bologna 11. twice. In, in the cup... Uh, Augusto scored the header in extra time. In the two-two draw, Lautaro scored both goals because this was a no. He first didn't. Goal. No, he didn't. No, no, he sure? didn't. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at it. So it was a a Cherby near post flick on, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought Lautaro scored both goals. So maybe I'm wrong, but no, that no, that was a Cherby. Yeah, it was so... a Cherby and uh, Lautaro. Yeah, right. So. Why was everyone saying that Chubby was Chubby's first league goal yesterday? <laughs> I don't know. I swear I saw that. that. Was his goal. I, swear, I swear I saw that on, on Twitter. Yeah, Instagram. that's like, that's a good point too. Yeah, they're saying that both Bastoni and Chubby scored their first goal, but that's not the case. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whatever. Um, fake news. Yeah, I don't know. Fake news. Look, I just don't feel like we're as dangerous from set pieces as people claim we are, but whatever. Um we're not direct. I agree there. We're not direct. Yeah. We're, we don't just, you know, uh, and part of it is like, you know, maybe if Aslani would take more corners. And maybe <laughs> oh, dear happen. God. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I, actually, I will say I was pretty disappointed with DeMarco's delivery on corners yesterday. And too often we hit the ball way too close to the keeper. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we're trying to score directly off the corner as opposed to actually putting it across. So I will, I will say I'd be open to Aslani taking them if he's on the pitch. <laughs> I just, I just want to see, I just want to see some more venom on, on like those, because like he, Hakan obviously is is great at dead balls, and um, Demarco is too. But a lot of times for the corners, they're like these high looping corners versus like you know, like again, I'm I'm only bringing up the Aslani one here because it was one of the ones where we scored. But you saw it; it was like this like venomous ball to the front post. That like Lataro didn't have to do much other than just kind of touch, right? Because it came in with such speed and 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 the height and stuff. And I feel like too often uh, with um, Hakan and with Demarco, they're trying to like do these like lofty lobbed kind of corners in to the box to generate some kind of chaos versus like being more direct and putting it in a spot with that's, some speed on it. That's so interesting because uh, I feel like pretty much the exact opposite. I feel like. Chalinolo and DiMarco both tend to hit the ball fairly flat. And I was hoping to see more of like Kandreva-style high-looping, lofting, kind of curling crosses. Like I feel like that kind of gives you a bit of, exactly as you described, an opportunity for defenders to kind of position themselves under the ball uh, and for the 
ball to reach like the kind of the meat of the box, if you know what I'm saying, rather than just being, you know, cleared off at the, the near post, which our corners often do. So uh, it's, it's interesting, but yeah, look, uh, Chalanolo, man, <sighs> is he ever going to score a free kick for us? That free kick he took yesterday was pathetic. And he always goes for free kicks at the goalie side. He just blasts them. It's like, he doesn't have confidence to like, you know, loop the ball over the wall and curl it into the corner. You know what I'm saying? He always goes for power at the goalkeeper's side. It's it's disappointing for a guy who is, I guess, kind of renowned as being a set-piece specialist. He hasn't even come close to scoring a free kick with us in his inter-career. Even DeMarco scored two of them in the time that Chalinol has been here. Ironically, both goalkeeper side as well, but but still. Yeah, I'd, I think DeMarco should, should take more of those because... Like you said, I mean, you know, you know that free kicks. He, he hasn't been like, like you said, he hasn't been even close. So yeah, exactly, I think we should we should try with Demarco and, and like a different approach. Like, like the free it. kick Barella scored against Udinese last season, or like the the Ericsson free kick in the in the dying minutes of the Coppa Italia against Milan two years ago, like three years ago now. Wow, um, like these kinds of ones, you know, you've got. Yeah, obviously that gap there. So you just kind of curl it towards the near post up and over the wall. And that's like your kind of routine free kick. And like I said, instead we have these guys who seemingly don't have the confidence to do that. So they just smash it to the goalkeeper side as hard as they can. It's like, it's as if they don't have the confidence to score. So they just trying to win a corner at a free kick. And that annoys me. Like you've got to go for goal there. Again, like Barella did against Udinese. I mean, I can't believe that Barella has scored a free kick here. Well, while we have Hakan Chalanolu, you know what I mean? That is just mental to me. Uh, are 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 Hakan's free kicks actually good though? Like even yesterday's volley put in, I think honestly yesterday who's just trying to get the ball on net and seeing if there was like a bounce in the rain or something. But like I've never really been impressed with his free kick since he joined us. I feel like that was kind of like when he was at Leverkusen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Was, but you know, you didn't lose that. You don't yeah. use that. So like it's kinda like Ronaldo though, you know what I mean? Like in the, when he was young, he was actually a yeah, threat. When he yeah, got yeah. older, he became just you thought he was good at it, but he actually wasn't. Yeah, I remember when Cristiano Ronaldo was I can't remember whether when it was when he was at Juventus, but I remember reading the stat at some point in the last like three years or something that he'd taken Something like a ninety or hundred free kicks without scoring one, <laughs> and I was like, really? I just remember Cristiano scoring these, like you know, famous, like you know, that that famous uh, CR seven knuckleball, you know, against like Portsmouth and whatnot. Um, and yeah, you're one hundred percent right. Um, over time, it just felt like the, the magic had kind of gone. So I don't know. Maybe that's the case with Hakan as well, but. Yeah, you're right. I remember all of his kind of highlight reel free kicks and compilations coming from his Bundesliga time, which was at this point nearly ten years ago. So, you know, uh, let's let's hope he kind of uh, gets it back because I think uh, having a direct threat from a free kick is a pretty important part of the team, and we don't seem to really have it right now, despite having two guys who are pretty universally considered dead ball specialists. So. Yeah. Is it is it now Irfan's turn to suggest That's another one, player yeah, yeah, for this? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to come across as you know a fanboy or anything. So I, I might. Ah. There, okay. But... <laughs> oh boy. All right. Um. 
I think we've run a little longer than I was expecting. I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about this Syria 18 team reduction? Do you want to save it for a different week? I say we do it. I say we drop to 18 teams, call the shit teams like, like, um, who came up? Was it or whatever? Just, just call the shitters. <laughs> yeah. Milan, <laughs> Milan, Juventus. Um, Salaritan and Milan. <laughs> they should go down. <laughs> the, the, I can't remember, uh, who, no, there was a team recently that came up and they finished like seventh in Serie B the season before. They just fluked it in the playoffs. It might have been Venezia, but I'll give them a pass because of their amazing jerseys. But um, sometimes you get teams here and it's like, wow, these teams are just, they, should, they shouldn't be here, you know what I mean? And I honestly reckon it might be Sassuolo's time to go down, which is a bit strange to say because they've been so good overall. But Sassuolo could do with a bit of a reboot and they're, they're such a small team. They bring in such few fans. Uh, that you know, from like a from like a population and kind of marketing perspective, it's much better for the team for the league to have a team like Bari, Palermo, Frosinone, you know, even Brescia, rather than yeah, Salernitana is going to go down, but it's a big loss for the league just from a yeah. fan perspective. Exactly, Cagliari is another big one. Where I mean, yep, 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 their fans are complete racist jerks, but they do fill a stadium. Exactly, and it's like you know, everyone hates going to Cagliari. You know, it's it's hot, it's it's hostile, it's just a nightmare ground to visit, and these things are what make the the league. You know, um, they add to the flavor of the league, and so yeah, I agree completely. Uh, Lecce is another one. Uh, they, I think, outside of the top six, Lecce are like the consistently um, most filled stadium. So. These are the teams that are important, not your, you know, not your Juventuses selling out, you know, two thirds of their forty thousand seater stadium or whatever. <laughs> um, so the the biggest argument in favor of cutting down to eighteen teams, I think, is reducing some matches. Like we're already overextending these players; they're playing in too many these days. So you take out some bad teams, you take out some lower quality teams, you can cut out four matches and then also you you know maybe have left midweek fixtures maybe start the season more in line or end the season more in line with some of the other leagues i think syria usually ends one of the last leagues on the continent to end so there's a few benefits there the other benefit is you're taking like our tv rights which are not Mm. worth much according to most free market estimates well now you're splitting them amongst 18 teams instead of 20 and frankly, the value you're receiving for them isn't going to go down much because, you know, Frosinone, Sassuolo, Monza, like these aren't the teams selling TV rights for you. So yeah, no, you- no one in Australia is signing up to, to fucking be in Sports Connect to watch Sassuolo or, or, or Frosinone. Exactly. So you're, you'd be looking at higher revenue for some of the bigger clubs when you split the pie among 18 instead of 20. So those are some arguments for it. To also point out that maybe if you're younger, such as myself, you think, okay, Syria has had 20 teams forever or breaking tradition. But actually, they only blew this thing out to 20 teams in like 2004. It actually used to be 18 teams. So yeah. it's not like there's some big tradition at stake here. You're, you're, re- you're redistributing the quality as well, uh, especially among the kind of bottom half of the table. I mean, who are the... Let's have a look. Who are the... Um, bottom three or four teams right now. You've got Salonitana, you've Cagliari, got uh, Cagliari, Verona. 
and Verona. Verona just like they're fucking cooked. They're just selling everyone these days. But yeah. for example, Salonitana have you know players like Kandreva and <laughs> Bulaidia <laughs> and um, and uh, the Cabral. Um, no, what's that? Thing? It starts with K. No, that can't be. Hey. Not, not, not that Cabral. There's a there's yeah. different Cabral. Jovan Cabral. And there's another guy who's, I can't remember his name. It's like um, Kastanos. Kastanos. That's the guy with the left foot, really good left foot. Um, these are guys that could feasibly play in teams like, you know, Monza, Genoa, Lecce. So let's say Salonitana goes down or the league gets cut to 18 teams. These guys go to teams like Frosinone, Sassuolo, Empoli, Udinese, and they make them stronger. You know what I'm saying? Very so ambitious you have... of you to assume they'll stay in Syria since we can't afford to buy anyone. <laughs> Pretty much, but um, yeah, you get my point. There's a redistribution of quality, so I think that kind of helps buffer up the strength of the league from a footballing perspective as well as um, you know, like the financial perspective. So I think it's a win-win situation, especially in light of this new fucking club World Cup and um, new Champions League format, where I, I saw some guys speculating next season we could play like seventy games. You know, that, that's ridiculous. That's some NBA shit, like. How can any team in the world be expected to play that? Like, you got yeah. X. Well, that that that's for the case when if you go to the final of the Champions League and go to the final of the Club World Cup. So yeah. I'm just I'm just assuming we are. So you know. Ah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we are. I kind of feel like once we're once we're in the Super League, I don't really care what happens with Syria, right? Like they can go to eighteen teams oh, comfortably in the Super League. And, <laughs> haven't you, you heard know, us? Fine. Haven't you heard us reconfirm our loyalty to to, to Seferin and, and the goons at UEFA? They've been oh, so wow. good to us over the years. Why would oh, we turn our back on them now when they need us most? Yeah, I know. I know. Jesus Christ. But oh. yeah, yeah, I would say that um, against argument is of course for the case that uh, the less games matters only for the, well, top six six teams in the league. Yeah. And the, the rest, they, they don't have these European or continental matches. So it doesn't hurt them as much to ha- have the 38 eight matches per season. But Maybe they need to increase the fucking roster then for people who are, for teams that are competing in Europe because... You know, when you have like limits with all this like homegrown and club trained association, all this kind of shit, like we have something like twenty three players in our list because we have no homegrown players. Yeah, but but I agree that I, I would I would reduce reduce the teams for the same arguments you you said that the quality of the remaining teams it kind of goes up and then yeah. then even the relegation battle will be even more interesting. Or, or there will be less, less uh, meaningless mid-table matches, yeah, yeah. Or, or matches for the mid-table teams which are meaningless. There will be less of them because uh, some of them will be fighting for the relegation. Because if we, if you look at the table now, there's Verona, Cagliari, Salernitana going down. Then it would be Verona, Udinese, and Sassuolo going down if they keep the same kind of uh, three teams going down. That then, might change as well. We- Bundesliga has only 18, and it works yeah. for them. Lead yeah, this, so this yeah, great so Leverkusen team led by Granit Xhaka, um, you know, <laughs> winning that league right now. Just credit to them, but yeah, that's an 18 team, 18 team league too, and it works. And they've had that for a while, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, they, they should go go for this, but 
I don't think it will go through if yeah if all the all the teams have like a one vote. So why would why would these lower class teams ever ever vote for that? Yeah, they're just but, voting to put themselves in a more difficult position. So it's probably never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe they need to negotiate some kind of a like a parachute parachute money money like in the in the Premier League when when they when the clubs going down the championship they will get sizable sizable yeah it's like, like more money, money. Than, it's like more yeah. money than for winning Serie A. <laughs> you know? I mean, we can't we can't yeah. be the only league we can't be the only team that's never been relegated right i mean certainly milan has never gone to serie b or juventus <laughs> right like we're not the only team that's not concerned at all about ever being relegated look you, you laugh now but these guys are playing the long game while we're doing well on the pitch uh, I'll have you know that um, I'll have you know that Milan just bought the stadium land for surprisingly really cheap. They were projecting it to be like sixty million or something. Uh, instead, it only costs like thirty million or something. So, look, uh, you know they're playing the long game. They're playing the long game. But uh, now, all, all jokes aside, um, I don't want to um, run too much over time. But the one thing that I just kept thinking of all week was just um, a fucking youth team, man. Um, in that we need a, a B team in Serie C like Juventus does. It's the pathway for youth players to to actually, you know, uh, to develop worth a shit for us to use. Um, and that's why, you know, it's it's one reason why they have guys like Ealing Jr. and Yildiz and uh, Fagioli and um, Miretti and guys like that. A lot of them are Primavera players, but some of them have stopped over in the Juventus C or Next Gen Juventus or whatever it's called. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's 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 critical for us to make money as well because we can develop these players, uh, use them for an extent, and, and then sell them for a decent amount of money. Like Juventus sold Dragosin to uh, to Roma, and I think they get some of the money from his sale to Tottenham and all that kind of stuff. And considering that, apparently, fucking. Um, all right, that was the other bit of bad news that apparently PIF have shifted their focus to buying Roma instead of us. So uh, that really annoyed me when I saw those two. Um, don't get me wrong, obviously happy with our victory over Roma, but when I saw that apparently you know PIF will be making a, a billion dollar bid to Roma and that Milan have secured the stadium land, like it just felt like kind of our win felt a little bit like kind of papering over the large cracks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you so, need to focus. You need well, to focus. Let's get to the, the second star. We can do the autopsy <laughs> of the club and the offseason. <laughs> I just want that youth team. I really need that C team in place so that we have that pathway. And like I said, it's critical for the future. But anyway, uh, yeah. Jay loves youth. <laughs> I like him young. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. I think that's a good place to wrap this. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll be back next week with a recap of Salernitana and a preview to a busy week, including the Atletico Champions League fixture. So we'll talk to you all then. All right. All right. Yeah. See, you. See you later.